0: Good morning, everybody. It's so good to be gathered here together this morning um, as we're meeting all together uh, this morning, in the gathering. It's one of my favorite times of the week, um, although I know we all spend our time elsewhere. Um, It's good to be together this morning. Um, As as, uh, Jordan shared, uh, I'm Alec, and me and my wife Lauren have been uh, a part of this church community, I think, since January 2020, if I was trying to do the math. Um, and she's in back right now doing the slides for me, putting up a, our picture. Um, so this is us. Um, we, yeah, have been a part of this church community for a few years now, and we've just loved what God is doing in this community. Um, and we were pumped to be a part of it. As Jordan shared, we met, first time we met was in the high school lunchroom at the high school. Um, which is incredible to me, the fact that I'm doing my job where where I am every day, and Jordan, a local pastor, is in with these students, meeting them in their space. And that just blew my mind, and I was like, man, we got to connect with this guy and see what's going on. And that led to us um, being a part of this church community um, and gathering and scattering together. We've lived in Wyoming for about four years now, and I've been doing work with Youth for Christ uh, for about five years now since I came out of college. And this next photo is some of us at camp. of the boys down here in this photo. Um, So usually I'm not up here, as you know. Uh, Usually I'm spending time with young people uh, in the high school. Um, We just got back from from summer camp, YFC camp, a few weeks ago, and man, it was awesome. Um, We had a lot of great new experiences together, had a lot of fun, and also God spoke. Um, And so we were there listening to what um, God has for us in our stories and what God's story means for our story. And uh, if you're able to catch any of the students after, maybe ask them, Hey, how did camp impact you? How did God speak to you? Because there's so many stories. Um, we could spend all day talking about the stories from, from camp this year. Um, but yeah, usually I'm in the lunchroom, uh, hanging out on the soccer field, hanging out with students, Wendy's or McDonald's, in Miss Shane's room after school, doing Bible study with students. Um, so this space is different for me, so bear with me. But I'm really encouraged and excited to be here uh, in this space sharing this morning. I feel... Uh, A little bit more lately that the Lord is stirring me to to study the Word and to learn about the Word in a way that I can share it with others in this setting, not just with students, but also in in settings like these. And so since that stirring has happened, Jordan reached out to me and some other opportunities are coming up. So I feel like really excited about sharing this morning. Um, Let's pray for what we're talking about, forgiveness and reconciliation this morning before uh, I get into things. Jesus. Uh, Thank you for waking each one of us up this morning. Thank you for um, the breath in our lungs and the space to be together this morning. We pray this morning, God, um, as you reconcile us to yourself um, each and every day, each and every moment, God, that you would teach us to listen to your word and the stories in it to reconcile with others, and that you would do a work this morning. Holy Spirit, speak um, words to each each heart in this room um, as we talk about your word and the story of ultimate reconciliation that you have with each one of us. In your name we pray. Amen. So from the start, God has had a vision to give us everything that we need to provide and to be a God of abundance. Creation is the result of God giving an abundance out of himself, right, and creating all of of the universe and humanity as a part of that. And he chooses human partners to extend this great love to the world, right? And so we're a part of that. But God's human partners... Uh, decide to go their own way. They don't trust God's design of abundance and care for us, and we take things into our own hands. And we've been seeing this in our story of Genesis over the last few months as a a church community, right? Uh, Adam and Eve, there's an abundance in the garden. They have everything they need. God's given them everything they need, yet they're enticed by the serpent to choose the one fruit that God says don't eat of this tree, right? They take things into their own hands, and they're kicked out of the garden, and Uh, Cain and Abel, they're they're kids, right? There's enough blessing to go around, yet Cain becomes jealous of his brother, and God warns him, sin is crouching at your doorstep. Don't let it overtake you. But he does. He kills his brother, and Cain, out of fear, says, someone's going to murder me because I've killed my brother. And God says, no, I will protect you. I've placed this sign upon you. And instead of trusting God's protection, he puts up a wall between him and others out of fear. So he takes things in his own hands and creates more tension between him and and others. Fast-forwarding to Abram, Abraham has a promise from God to become a great nation. That he, his descendants, will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. And his wife can't have children. So Sarah, his wife, takes things into her own hands. Right? He has her, him, sleep with um, her servant Hagar, and Hagar and Ishmael come into the story. And Ishmael is the son of this. And this. Uh, Ishmael's is the son of Sarai. And in this story, we see twice her and her son get kicked out into the wilderness from this family, once while she's pregnant and once while after uh, Ishmael is born. And both times, God meets them in that place, provides for them, and gives them provision. And eventually, Sarai finds herself pregnant with Isaac. And God says, hey, I'm going to bless Ishmael as well, this other son, but my covenant will remain with Isaac, right? There's enough blessing. There's enough provision to go around. Isaac, uh, he's provided a wife named Rebecca, and she also is barren. So Isaac prays and calls out to God, and the Lord answers his prayer. She becomes pregnant with twins, the twins whose story that we've been following, and the wrestling in her womb while they're pregnant, two nations in her womb. One will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. And this leads us to the story that we've been covering the last few weeks, right, with Jacob and Esau. We see the same thing in Jacob's story that he takes things into his own hands. God has enough blessing to go around, yet Jacob takes things into his own hands and he runs. And he's been running and running and running until now. So it's important that we remember the last time we heard from Esau. This was 20 years ago in Genesis 27 in our text. And at that point, Jacob is, is mad at his brother and planning on waiting for their dad to die so he can murder him. So that's 20 years ago. Now 20 years has passed. Now when we're happening into Genesis 32 and 33. And that's super important to remember because we follow Jacob's story, right? We've got to see what God is doing in Jacob's heart, how he's been running, how he's handled different situations. We haven't heard about Esau. So it's really important for us to remember this is kind of the picture we get of Esau from 20 years ago. Um, has anyone seen the Muppet Christmas Carol? Anybody? Awesome. So for my family, uh, we watch it every Christmas Eve. Um, it's kind of our tradition. I sometimes forget that there's like the cartoon and the live action because the Muppets is just like canon for us. Um, it's like the one we watch. We don't watch any others. Um, this this kind of setting of 20 years ago, remember this, reminds me of a scene where Gonzo, the narrator in this story, um, he, he says to uh, the audience, I must ask you to remember that the Marleys were dead and decaying in their graves. You must remember this, or nothing that follows will seem wondrous. So that's the image, right? Right before Scrooge enters into his chambers, and he has this, this vision or this, um, this interaction with these ghosts, right? His, his old business partner's telling him, Hey, you got to change. Like, You don't want to end up like us. You need to change, Right? And he's, he's reminding the audience, if you don't know these guys are dead, nothing, that's not that miraculous. There's some sort of trick that they're doing, right, if they're not actually dead. And in the same way, there's not, there's not as much weight to that story without remembering, hey, these guys have been dead for a long time. And in the same way in this story, there's so much more weight and the story becomes so rich in our context. Here, if we remember 20 years ago, this was Esau's perspective towards his brother. So same, same kind of context. The story is going to be really, really rich when we remember that. To recap a little bit from last week, Chris shared that repentance is the first step in the story that really shifts the gears, and uh, that comes from Jacob encountering God amidst his journey heading back towards his brother and his home. But there's family trauma, right? There's, there's these habits that Jacob has had of dis- distancing himself from others, and running, and it takes time to tease out these habits, right? Same in our own stories. And Jacob's track record until this point is that he keeps running from his problems. And that happens until we get to Genesis 33, our scripture for today. Jacob realizes um, that running and avoiding his problems isn't actually going to lead towards restoration and reconciliation. And something needs a change in his own heart for him to reconnect with his brother in the way that he wants to, right? We see uh, a little bit of the story was covered last week with Chris. We see Jacob admitting to the man that he's wrestling with that his name is Jacob and he's given a new name, Israel, because he has struggled with God and with man and has overcome. And when he gets hit in the hip, the Hebrew here, as I was studying for this, the Hebrew here is uh, the word for his inner thigh. And so where would you need to get hit in your inner thigh for your hip to come out of socket? It's the groin. So he's hit where this promise that God has given Abraham, his father, will come through, right? The biological part of his body that's going to come through. And I think it's, it's God reminding him, Jacob once again, you don't need to do this in your own way. I will provide for you. I am a God of abundance. I have enough. There's enough. Trust me. So turning back to his relationship with his brother, Jacob is hoping for reconciliation and is trusting God will provide a path for this reconciliation. And this is where we pick up things in our text today, Genesis 33, 1 through 11. Jacob looked up, and there was Esau, coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two female servants. He put the female servants and their children in front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph in their rear. He himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground, Seven times as he appeared, he appro- as he approached his brother. So there's a shift that happens here, right? In the story beforehand, he was in the back of the, the group out of fear. And after this encounter wrestling with God, he's at, he's at the front. He's ready to, to meet his brother. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. And they wept. Then Esau looked up and saw the women and the children... Who are these with you? He asked. Jacob answered, They are the children God has graciously given your servant. Then the female servants and their children approached and bowed down. Next, Leah and her children came and bowed down. Last of all came Joseph and Rachel, and they too bowed down. Probably the first time he's met these these family members, right? It's been 20 years since they've seen each other. Pretty wild. And their, their attitude towards Esau out of humility, right? bowing down and, and even says your servant, the children that God has given your servant. Esau asked, what's the meaning of all these flocks and herds I met? To find favor in your eyes, my Lord, he said. But Esau said, I already have plenty, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. No, please, said Jacob. If I have found favor in your eyes, accept this gift from me, For to see your face is like seeing the face of God, now that you have received me favored. Please accept the present that was brought to you, for God has been gracious to me, and I have all I need. Because Jacob insisted, Esau accepted it. There's so much here in this reconciliation story, right? The first thing uh, that I noticed was this mirrored language from a parable that Jesus shares of a a story of reconciliation. Parable of the two sons, right? Where the one uh, goes away and um, rejects his father's family, takes his inheritance early and goes and squanders it. And he comes back home expecting the bare minimum, right? To be a servant in his father's household, to get a meal a day kind of thing. Roof over his head, bare minimum. And instead, he's surprised by his father welcoming him with restorative love. A lot of the same language used in this story. And I can't help but help to think about, as Jesus is teaching this story, those uh, in that setting would have been familiar with this one, and they think back, wow, this is like that story. 20 years gone by, tension between the relationships. One person messing up the other person's family and screwing everything up. And then finally, res- restoration happens. We, we see Esau cry here. The last time he cried was out of anguish, that his brother had stolen his blessing. Now he cries with joy to receive his brother. And Esau sees his family, his brother's family, for the first time, which is is pretty wild to think about after 20 years. Some of us may have had similar experiences of that as well, right? Some tension in relationships, and we haven't met family members until something is resolved, or close friends, family members, until something's resolved. And we see hear that God is a God of abundance. Both of them say, I already have enough, right? God has blessed me. I already have enough. And because uh, Jacob insists and says, hey, I want to find favor in you. I want to make this right somehow. His brother receives his gifts, even though they both have enough, right? They both say that. And it doesn't end with necessarily rainbows and butterflies. They, They part ways after this. Um, But we see the transformation in Jacob's heart, in Esau's heart, and their relationship as brothers as the result. And for me, when I consider this story, I reflect on how this shapes my broken relationships, the tensions in my story with other people. And I want this reconciliation. I do. Uh, We see this picture, and it just makes us pumped. It gets our hearts happy. It gives us hope, Right? But if I'm being fully honest, I want that moment of reconciliation, but it's really, really hard for me to want to forgive other people. It's really, really hard for me to uh, do that work of repentance and, and, and humbling my own heart. It's really tough to humble myself and admit that I am Jacob, that I have swindled, that I have torn apart family and friends. It's very difficult to be the one to admit that. Because like Jacob, it's easier... Stay in this pattern of believing that what we have done in the past is who we are today. It's really easy to get stuck in that same script, right? Of, oh, I've always done this. I've always ran. Uh, my family has always developed in this, in this unhealthy communication style. And if i manipulation or hurtful things, or my friends, we always kind of joke around and get at each other. Um, but it honestly tears, tears each other down. But that's just what we're used to. We're used to these scripts. So it's easier to stay in this pattern of believing that what we have done in the past is who we are. And we feel stuck in this pattern. We see the reconciliation. Like I said, we see that image of hope in this story. And we're like, man, I want that. But is it worth the hard work for me to humble myself, to seek forgiveness, to forgive those who have hurt me? This is the story of Jacob. This tension. This tension. This is the story of my own heart, and this is the story of every human heart. We need forgiveness and repentance before we can truly have reconciliation. The difference between forgiveness and reconciliation is this. Forgiveness starts and ends with our own hearts. It takes time with God shifting our hearts. We see this in uh, Jacob's story, right? We don't see the full picture in Esau's. We see the result of his forgiveness of his brother in Esau's side of things. Whereas reconciliation takes two, it also takes time. But sometimes, no matter what uh, we do, reconciliation doesn't happen. And I think that's really hard. As we sit today, we've been talking about forgiveness, we've been talking about repentance, and this week we're talking about reconciliation, right? This this hoped-for, restorative coming-together after brokenness and tensions in our relationships. And if this is the case, if we can do the work of forgiving someone else, um, and we can do the work of repenting in our own hearts and turning towards humility and figuring out what God has for us amidst our mistakes and amidst our unhealthy patterns and trying to change that, but we always have in the back of our mind, if that person doesn't do the same, reconciliation might not be possible. So Sometimes we can get discouraged in um, this This thought right of but, but what if they don 't do it? What if I do it? What if I put in the, the hard work and the inner the inner uh, shaping of being open to God and what God has for me, but the other person doesn 't do that but here 's the thing with scripture right it 's it's something for us to consider and reflect on, not to point the finger the other way but, but to, to turn inward and say, "How is God shaping my heart? What is my challenge? What is my encouragement here it 's not to point the finger at the, the other to ask how God might be stirring our hearts. And we're still left with that question of if we put in the hard work of, of asking God to transform our lives, to repent, to forgive, but reconciliation doesn't happen. It can feel useless. Jarrell was our speaker at YFC Camp. Um, he did an awesome job. We loved hearing from Jarrell, didn't we, guys? Um, Really, really uh, powerful speaker, and just what he shared from the heart was incredible, and we were all impacted by it deeply. And one of the things that Jarrell shared about was his, his story and his relationship with his dad. And that was really hard for him growing up. His relationship with his dad was not good. His dad made poor choices and hurt their family, and as a result, really deeply hurt and wounded Jarrell. And he talked about this story, um, he talked about the story of his dad, right? And, and this, this hurt and this pain from growing up. And as Jarrell's story went on, he found Jesus. He met Jesus and started a relationship. And God began to change Jarrell's heart uh, for himself, right? For Jarrell and his story, but also for his relationship with his dad. And there, um, there at camp, he shared about his dad and how he talks to his dad about how much God loves him, his dad. He talks to his dad about how much God wants a better story for him. And I wish I had a better image to capture what this man's face looked like when he talked about his dad. But he was just glowing, talking about how how God loves his dad so deeply. He admitted to us, he said, it doesn't mean I I don't want my dad to change. It doesn't mean I'm not still hurt by those things that my dad has done to me and how it's impacted my life and growing up. But God's love had so deeply impacted Jarrell that God's love for his dad was coming out of Jarrell in just this experience. Incredible way. So you see God's love for Jarrell's dad through the way that he speaks about his dad and how he interacts with him because he had an encounter with the living God. When we think about reconciliation, I think we often go to human relationships, and rightfully so, right? There's so much brokenness and tension in our human relationships, whether it be between cultures and ethnicities and us not understanding one another, and there's tension and there's hate and there's hurt. And we need reconciliation there. Uh, Maybe for some of us, uh, like me, I've grown up in the church all my life, and and part of my challenge is to love people that are different than me, people who have been outside the church, people who don't have experience with the love of God. And uh, I don't always agree with all the choices that they make, but I'm called to love them deeply. God's love for them is so deep. And we need reconciliation there for the church to interact with, with people who don't know Jesus in a different way. We tend to think about our human relationships. So if there's a relationship this morning for you that the Holy Spirit's coming to to mind that needs forgiveness in your heart, someone has hurt you, someone has wounded you, there's tension in that relationship for you because of that, I invite you to seek the Lord in what, what God wants to do in your heart to move towards forgiveness. And if there's a relationship that needs repentance, that you have been the person to bring the hurt, to bring the tension, to push someone else away, I invite you this morning with the Holy Spirit to consider how God might be moving you towards making that right. And for both sides, right, both sides of both forgiveness and repentance, we each have the opportunity, and we find ourselves probably in a mix of both, right, moving towards, a stepping towards reconciliation. Like, like uh, I shared, there's not always a clear path to that that doesn't always happen, but we get to take the opportunity to take one step towards it. So maybe there's a thing coming to mind for you to take one step towards reconciliation with this person. And what's wild is this this story, right, connects deeply with our hearts. We want reconciliation in our lives. And I think that is placed there, this deep longing for reconciliation, for things to be made right. That's placed there because God is a God of reconciliation. God's heart is for us to be reconciled with himself. He's longing for that. The story of the prodigal son that Jesus shares, we're expecting the least. We're expecting the bare minimum. We just want to be have a roof overhead and have a meal to eat. God welcomes us in when we run back home. He runs after us. He puts a robe on us. He hugs us and kisses us. He gives us a ring and he throws us a party and he says, welcome home. My lost son, my lost daughter has come home. This is God's heart to you. This is God's heart to me. God's heart is always set on reconciliation. He always welcomes us back home with open arms. We don't have to be afraid of how God's heart will be shaped towards us. We don't have to be afraid like Jacob, nervous of how his brother will respond. Because we know that God's heart and God's character is always for us and always waiting for us to come back home. That is God's heart. God's heart. Us. When we consider the relationships that are torn apart in our lives, that have tension, a mix of our own actions and actions of others, it's an invitation. It's truly incredible when there is a relationship that we get to see. uh, For my example, Jarrell's relationship, right, where God has done something deep in Jarrell's heart. And the way that he speaks about his father is a way that we get to see God's love for his dad and for all of us. And so these these hurts, these tensions in our relationships are a deep invitation to put God's love on display, to put God's reconciling love on display for those around us. And I bet if we asked a few people in this room, we turned to one another and asked, how has God brought reconciliation in your life? There would be some stories. And I bet, similar to Jarrell's stories, there are some stories that... Um, even if it hasn't come to full reconciliation, um, there are stories in this room that we bo- we thought, we believed, reconciliation would not be possible. But because of the work of God in our lives, something happened, something changed. So I encourage us to share those with one another. So these relationships are an invitation for each one of us to put this incredible abundant love of God on display to all those around us. It's the opportunity to paint a beautiful picture of reconciliation for those in our lives, one that shapes, shares the love of God. He always is hoping and longing for reconciliation with each of us. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you so much for your heart for us. That this story is a beacon of hope for those of us who have had distance in relationships and tension, whether it be 20 years or two weeks, God, that your heart is for restoration. That you want us to grow in our hearts towards repentance and towards forgiveness. Probably some of both in different relationships, God, towards reconciling love that you have for us. And we thank you that regardless of how these human relationships are happening around us and in our lives, God, that your heart for reconciliation is always true. We don't have to doubt that. That when we have created tension between others, God, and between you, that you always have an open door to, for us to return. That you welcome us home with open hearts. Thank you that you are God of reconciliation. I pray as we consider relationships that you're inviting us to forgive, inviting us to repent of things that have caused tension in that relationship, reconciliation would be possible, that you would create a path to reconciling those around us. It's in your name we pray, Jesus.